Uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 today. And um, we've been referencing a verse in here a lot as we've been going through our study on, on worry and anxiety. Um, 1 Peter 5, 7, you probably have it memorized, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Right, A, a nice go-to verse when you're struggling with, with worry or anxiety. What I'd like to do today is I'd like to study this verse, and then I want to look at the verses around it. Um, it's, it's nice to know what truths or what the context is around verses that we jump to to claim so often. How many verses do we know, or at least parts of verses? We don't know where it's at in the Bible. We don't know what it's talking about other than how it impacts us at that moment. I mean, there's... I even have a lot of passages like that where, man, God, I need help with this. I got this verse in my mind. I don't know what's around it, but thank you for your promise there. So this morning, I wanted to be reminded of this promise, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. But I also want to look at the verses around it to help us. It gives some, some context or some idea to this God caring for us and how we can cast our cares upon him. And the title that we're looking at it with is Facing Worry with humility. And if you have any questions about that, hopefully I can answer them as we go through this. Worry is so real, it seems like worry is in your face on a daily level from many directions in many ways. Could we, could we recognize that? Like The temptation to worry, to have anxiety is all around us. And what have we learned about anxiety so far? We've learned that it's crippling. We've learned that it's suffocating, that it is a real-life danger. Worry can cripple us and, and, and choke us and, and cause us to be ineffective in different areas of our life. And this idea with worry is something that I need help on, that I face on a daily basis, that I struggle with on a daily basis. Uh, so many opportunities to worry. Um, and it's not just me. Uh, we all have relationships with people. We all have different responsibilities at work. We all have things that weigh heavy on us. And a lot of times it's so easy to jump just straight to worry. And that worry is, is crippling. So I, I want to share this morning how God has been working in, in my heart and in my life, how He's been helping me through this, this idea of, of worry. Um, and hopefully through His Word, He can, he can help all of us. Uh, because I believe it's something that we all need, whether we are willing to admit it or not. We need help in this area of, of worry. Let's look at our text in 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll start in verse number 5. We'll read to 11. And uh, then we'll, we'll go from there. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, 
who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You so much that You have brought us together, that You've given us uh, freedom to worship You, to study Your Word, to, to spend time together. I pray that You would give us understanding now. Please, uh, please work in our hearts. Please challenge us and comfort us and strengthen us. Please help us. I pray that You'll help me to communicate clearly the truths that You have for us today. I pray that You'll just work in my heart, that You'll help me. Uh, I thank You for Your grace, for Your mercy, for Your faithfulness. Thank You that we can always look to You, that we can trust in Your mighty hand and rest in the faithful God that You are. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. So what I want to do here is, I want to start with the author of this passage. The author is ultimately God, the Holy Spirit, but He used human authors to, to pen His word. The human author was Peter. Peter was an apostle. Peter was recognized as the leader of the apostles. So we know that, but what I also want to gear your mind toward is that Peter was a man that dealt with worry in his own life. He wasn't a man immune to worry. He was a man who had difficulties, who had struggles, a real person that dealt with difficult stuff. Um, think of what we know about Peter. He gets a hard time. Uh, often with different ways he responded to Christ or didn't respond to Christ or different things that he did. Uh, think of him walking on the water when he was walking to Christ. He feared drowning when he was walking on the water even though Christ was right there. You can see fear in that situation, right? Look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 29 through 31. We're going to turn to a few passages today. I just want to help build this picture, this image in your mind. Matthew 14, verse 29. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Pretty incredible. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. That would be fear. And beginning to sink, so he was fearful, started to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out or stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Right? Real life example of worry in the life of Peter. Peter was worried about what was going to happen to Jesus when he was betrayed and arrested in John 18. Look at verses 10 and 11. Because Peter was worried to the point where he chopped off a guy's ear. And I'm not blaming Peter for worrying here. I'm not blaming Peter for having fear here. I try to imagine myself walking on water with Jesus and seeing some waves. And, you know, I would imagine having some questions about that. Or seeing people coming to arrest Jesus. I would have some questions there and I would want to stand up for my Lord. Look at verses 10 11, John 18. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, 
shall I not drink it? So Jesus says, Peter, I have something to accomplish. My Father has a will for me. Just put your sword away and trust God here. You don't need to worry on this one. Peter was also worried about Jesus dying on the cross. He was so worried that he told him not to do it. Do you remember that in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 and 23, or through 23? Starting in verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So imagine Jesus explaining to His disciples what was about to happen to Him. But also think of the disciples' love for Him and the care that they had for Him. And the questions, not wanting their Lord to be murdered, to be crucified. Jesus was explaining to them what is going to happen. Verse 22, Then Peter took Him and began to rebuke Him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You can see some worry, some concern that Peter had for Jesus. And Jesus corrected him in a strong way. Get thee behind me, Satan. Do you imagine Jesus saying that? To you? Pretty powerful stuff, but Jesus had something to accomplish. His Father had something for Him. And He was always about His Father's business. He had to be about His Father's will. He was going to be obedient to His Father's will. Even obedient unto death and even the death of the cross. Thankfully, He didn't stay dead and He would raise again. But Peter had some concerns. Peter dealt with worry. The Apostle Peter was a man with worries and concerns. I just want to paint that picture. Peter had daily concerns. Peter had battles to face. He learned some things, though, throughout his life, and he offers some advice to follow for believers that would have potential to worry. His original audience here in 1 Peter is believers that are scattered throughout what we know as modern-day Turkey. So imagine Peter writing this letter to these believers scattered throughout modern Turkey. People who had many daily reasons to worry. So let's personify these people here. Understand Peter's a real person with worries. He's writing to real people with worries. His advice to them When difficult times come, was cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. And he's saying this to people who would face persecution from the outside for their faith. And not little persecution. The threat of being killed, of being executed. They would face persecution from their family, where if they would turn to Christ as the Messiah, their family would forsake them. They'd be kicked out of the family. Their family sometimes would even have funerals for them because they were dead to them because they trusted in Christ. So Peter is talking to these people and he's saying, cast all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. People who would face extremely difficult stuff. And he's telling them, you can trust in God. 
He cares for you. This exercise of handling worry was real to Peter. The discipline of handling worry was effective in the life of Peter. So much so that he wrote it down in God's Word to encourage other believers here. But he wasn't the first writer in the Bible to figure this truth out. We can look all the way back to Psalms, and I believe that's where Peter is is quoting this from in a sense where he gets this idea. In Psalm 55.22, David says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. We've talked about King David. We've looked back at his life, and we've seen the difficulties he dealt with. But we've also seen him have this high view of God. We've seen him have this confidence and this trust in God, where King David could say, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. And now we have Peter way down the road looking back to what David said, being able to claim this truth in his life where he could trust in God, he could cast his cares upon God. And I could imagine Peter reflecting back on the words of David. I mean, don't we look back to the words of David for encouragement? So I can imagine here Peter reflecting back. I can see him applying these truths to his life that King David wrote about. And I can imagine his confidence in God growing every time that he gave his cares to God and watched God work and watched his anxiety fade away. It's neat to see someone who we can look back in their life and see them struggle. And then we can, we can kind of watch them grow up, if you will, throughout the Bible and we can see their confidence and their trust grow in God. Did he still have problems? Yes. Did he still struggle? Yes. But we can see him grow and we can see him have this confidence in God where he can write down and encourage these believers later on. Say, hey, give it to God. Trust in God. Cast your cares upon God. He cares for you. It's more than a phrase to memorize. It's a truth to live by. How many of us have cast, casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you? How many of us have that memorized? Lots of us. I mean, people even raise their hands. I got that one. You can go sit down now. <laughs> but it's, it's more than just something that we memorize. It's a truth that we can live by where we can actually put our cares, give them to God, throw them to God, and we can trust in Him no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through. Look at what Peter has to say, though. Let's get into the context here a little bit of this before he he goes into that. Peter starts out chapter 5 addressing the elders, addressing the pastors, addressing the, the leadership in the church. He gives them some instructions. It's a whole message in itself there. But then he gives instruction to the congregation. Specifically, he references the younger of the congregation. Verse number 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. So he addresses the younger to have respect uh, and to listen and pay attention to the, the leadership in the church. And then he addresses everyone. He says, Yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. 
For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. He tells believers to be subject one to another. We can define that pretty quickly by saying, put away self-promoting pride. So Peter telling these believers, hey, put away that, that pride that you have, that, that self-promotion, your care only for yourself and not for other people. Can you see how that would be helpful anytime you get people together? You get a group of people together that's only focused on themselves and promoting their agendas and what's best for them, and you have a big problem. He next gives instruction on how to make that happen. So he says, be subject one to another. Then he says, and be clothed with humility. That's an interesting way to put it, to be clothed with humility. The picture there of clothed uh, comes from the idea of tying something to yourself. It's, we get the picture from back in biblical times, a slave would put on an apron over his or her clothes to keep them clean. So before they would work, they'd put on an apron or some type of cover to keep themselves clean, like mechanics put on overalls or whatever to keep themselves clean free of grease to some extent. right? So that's the picture that we're getting here. The word translated clothed here became synonymous with humble service. So I want you to get these pictures all flowing where the idea of here is clothe yourself with humility, put on this humility, and the idea that it became synonymous with was giving yourself to humble service. Think of the example Jesus gave of this in John 13, verses 4 and 5. Speaking of Jesus, He riseth from supper and laid aside His garments and took a towel and girded Himself. So you see the picture of service there? Jesus girding Himself with this towel? We're talking about Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, humbling Himself here. Taking upon Him the form of a servant to do what? Verse 5, After that He poureth the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. And you can read how Peter responds to that. But he gets in trouble for it. But what I want us to see here is, is the picture of, of service that humility represents. This humble service. And we see examples of Jesus. We're told He came to be a suffering servant, but then we see Him actually acting upon it, washing the disciples' feet. Jesus was the perfect example of a humble servant. And I want us to think about today... Fast forward to today. We're talking about humility. We're talking about that attitude, that idea of, of humble servants. And with, with believers, that's, our, that's how we should treat each other, to act in service to each other and putting away our, our selfish pride and putting on humility and being willing to serve each other. Today, so many people live with an entitled attitude. There is no willingness 
to put away self-promoting pride. There is no willingness to clothe themselves with humility. The cause is pride, and the result is devastation and destruction. Now, I want to give credit for this humility that we're told to put on because it's not something that in our own strength and in our own power that we just muster up this ability to be humble. It's a gift from God. It's an ability that God gives us as believers in Him. He helps us, He gives us this ability, if you will, to be humble. So it's not us just being super Christians and and making this choice that we're just going to be humble and we can do it all on ourselves and we don't need God. It's trusting in God and this gift of humility that He offers to us. So with that being said, this idea that we're looking at of of entitlement and and pride and and people walking around with this pride and this refusal to be humble and, and to serve, you could see why Peter would instruct believers to operate this way, to put on this this humility, to clothe themselves with this humility. Think of how this attitude could impact churches. If we would say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm resting in the humility that you offer to me, and I am going to serve. I'm going to serve my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Wouldn't that change some churches? Wouldn't it change some disagreements and some problems that we have with each other? If, if we'd be willing to be subject one to another and to be clothed with humility, that would change some stuff. If we weren't too good to do certain things, think of how that would impact families. What if within the institution of marriages, husband would, husbands would put on this humility? Or wives would put on this this humility and live in this this humility that that God offers. You think there'd be a few less disagreements or butting of heads? Then, I mean, get real crazy and apply this to society. That would change some stuff. But we know that apart from God, apart from Christ, Pride reigns, and difficulties continue, and struggles continue. Verse 5 finishes, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Again, Peter draws from the Old Testament, Proverbs 3.34, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace to the lowly. Then in the New Testament, in James, James 4.6, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Pride is destructive. Humility promotes grace. Simply put, if you want to take something simple away from this, pride is bad and grace is good. Humility promotes grace. Pride promotes destruction. Peter says, clothe yourself in humility. And this strength for humility is found through Christ. And he says, operate in the grace of humility. And you might be thinking, I thought we were talking about anxiety here and worry. You haven't said a word about that. 
What does humility have to do with, with anxiety and, and worry? Humility has a lot to do, maybe everything to do, with casting your cares on God. Because pride says, God, I don't need you. I've got this. I can handle this by myself. That's what pride says. Ever been there? God, this is an easy one. I got this. That's what pride says. Humility says, God, I trust you. I am humbling myself under your mighty hand. Look at verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So we see in verse 5, we're to humble ourselves relationally with people. Verse 6, we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. And in reading, reading this and in studying this, that word, the mighty hand of God. I mean, we could say humble yourselves under the hand of God, and that'd be wonderful. But Peter goes on to proclaim the mighty hand of God. Isn't God's hand mighty? Well, that's talking about all-powerful. We, we have this privilege of being able to put our confidence off ourselves, put our trust, our faith in God, humble ourselves before Him under His mighty, all-powerful hand. We can, with full confidence, humbly trust in the mighty hand of God. We can humbly rest knowing that in His perfect time, He will exalt us. And that exalt there is talking about to lift up. You can be stuck in this dark pit of difficult times and, and struggling and filled with worry and fear. And you give that to God. Quit being filled with pride in in humility, give it to God and trust in Him. Knowing that in His due time, He will lift you out of that situation that you're in. I mean, that's pretty incredible thought right there. Luke 14, 11, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. Abased means brought low. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted or lifted up. Pride, destruction. Humility, help, restoration. In all of life, humbly trust in God and His mighty hand. When trials come, humbly trust in God. Rest in the grace of humility. Have complete confidence in Him and His will. Trust in the timing of Him lifting you up. It's, I think that's important. We can get impatient with God and where He has us. And then we can let pride take over. And God, you're not doing this fast enough. We can humbly rest in God's perfect way, God's perfect timing. Pride says, God, I don't need you. Humility says, God, I need you. And it allows us to, verse number 7, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. That word cast is speaking of throwing something on something else or someone else. So you see that picture? Cast your cares upon God. Give your anxiety, your worries, and fears. Give them to God. That word cares there is speaking of anxiety. We can throw our anxiety. We can give it to God. 
cast, the word cast is used in Luke 19, verse 35. And I just want you to see this to paint this picture. Luke 19, 35. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. They use that word cast, same, same exact Greek word. They cast it on Jesus. Do you see the picture, though, of them taking their, their garments, their coats off, putting it on the donkey for Jesus to sit on? They were no longer wearing it. They got rid of it. When we're casting our cares, our anxieties on God, that's what we're doing. We're humbling ourselves, and we're taking our anxieties, and we're casting them to God, which means we're not holding on to them. We're not wearing them anymore takes humility, and it's trusting in God. We can trust God's mighty hand to take care of our anxieties because we know God cares for us. Verse 7 again, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He cares for us more than we can imagine. We can see pictures of His care. We can, we can see His love given to us. We, we can see the sacrifice He gave through His Son. We can see these pictures. He loves us. He cares about us more than we can imagine. So why would we not cast our cares upon Him and rest in Him and trust in Him? Third question, I think. If we say God cares, why would we not then trust in Him? Verse number 8, we have a great reminder that we have an enemy looking to destroy. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy that wants us to walk in pride and to hold on to our anxieties. We have an enemy that desires destruction for us. Be aware, be sober, be vigilant. Resist the devil. Humbly trust in the mighty hand of a God that cares. Such a wonderful truth to be able to rely on. We can trust in a mighty God that truly, genuinely, deeply cares about us. Let's pray.